Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to the Friday broadcast of Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So thankful that you're listening today. I hope you have a great weekend. I love Fridays, and I would remind you that it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. So why don't you come on out to worship at Hickory Ridge Community Church. We are at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Our service times are at 9 o'clock and 1030. Both services are identical. Uh, You choose the one that you want to come that best fits your schedule. We have children's ministry called Ridge Kids for both of our services. We have a youth uh, Sunday school class during the 1030 service. So once you come and worship with us this Sunday, we'll make you feel right at home. And I promise that you'll be blessed and we'll be blessed to have you come join us. And so just come in the big glass doors that say, welcome home. And I promise you, we'll make you feel right at home. Well, today I want to talk to you on a subject Misery or mercy? Which one would you rather live in? Uh, Mercy or misery, right? Jesus said in Matthew 5, 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Now, my good friend, uh, Harold Vaughn said this, Until you change your thinking, you will always recycle your experiences. Let me repeat that just in case you didn't catch it, right? Until you change your thinking, you will always recycle your experiences. So if you don't like what you're doing and where you are and what you're experiencing right now, change the way you think. Uh, so many times we think, well, I got to change where I am. No, you got to change the way you think. You see, it is easy to be merciful, for example, to those that we really feel deserve a break. But mercy is not, by very definition, is not always given to those who deserve a break. Sometimes God gives us mercy when we don't deserve it. You see, mercy is not a feeling. It is a word that is not just a word of sympathy. Uh, Mercy is not denying an offense has occurred. Uh, Mercy is not even enabling a person to continue in their sin. Mercy is really defined as strength under control. We are commanded to be merciful. In Exodus chapter 34, verse number six, it says, The Lord, the Lord God, is merciful and gracious. He's long-suffering. And he's abounding in goodness and in truth. So that word mercy, it means the act of sparing or the forbearance of a violent act expected, right? In other words, I'm forgiving somebody or I'm holding back punishment. Mercy really is love in action. It is refraining from hurting somebody. Instead, I'm offering them kindness. Charles Spurgeon said this, the Lord's mercy often rides to the door of our heart upon the black horse of affliction. Well, let's look at an Old Testament passage, Genesis chapter 19. A very familiar story, the story of Lot. Lot and Abraham. In verse number four, it says, so Lot went out and he spoke to his sons-in-law who were pledged to be married to his daughters. And he said, now hurry, and get out of this place, because the Lord's about to destroy the city. But his sons-in-law, they thought he was joking. Now, why in the world would they think he was joking? Obviously, Lot didn't take spiritual things very serious. He didn't take this relationship with God very seriously. And when he finally gets serious about it, his sons-in-law, they think he's joking. When the coming of dawn, the angels urged Lot, saying, hurry, Take your wife and take your two daughters who are here, or you'll be swept away when the city is punished. When he hesitated, maybe this is why 
the, the family didn't take him serious. He, he hesitated. The men grasped his hand and the hands of his wife and his two daughters and led him to safety out of the city, for the Lord was merciful to them. Here we see God giving Lot and his family an exit strategy. His sons-in-law think he's joking, so they don't go with him. And Lot is reluctant. He is so reluctant to go that the angels had to grab him by the hands and drag him out of the city. And why did they do that? Because the Lord was merciful. As soon as they brought them out, one of them said, Flee for your lives. Don't look back and don't stop anywhere in the plain. Flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. But Lot said to them, No, my Lord, please. Your servant has found favor in your eyes, and you have shown great kindness to me in sparing my life. But I can't flee to the mountains. This disaster will overtake me and I'll die. Look, here's a town near enough to run to, and it is small. Let me flee to it. It is very small, isn't it? Then my life will be spared. Now here we discover something very unusual about Lot's response. You know, the key to becoming a merciful person, I I think, is that you got to be a broken person. Lot was a recipient of God's grace. God spares his life. God spares the life of his wife and the life of his two daughters. But Lot's not broken. You see, you get the power to show mercy from the real feeling in your heart that you owe everything you are and everything that you have to sheer and divine mercy. You see, that's why we cannot be merciful. It's not because bad things have happened to us. You know, the book of Lamentations says that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. God is so faithful in being merciful to us, even when we don't deserve it. You see, God's will is that sometimes we recompense people with what they deserve, whether punishment or reward. We'd call that justice. And sometimes it's God's will that we recompense people with better than what they deserve. We call that mercy. Lot is getting much more better than he deserves. In upholding the claims of justice, sometimes we bear witness to the truth that God is a God of justice, and in showing mercy, we bear witness to the truth that God is a God of mercy. I want you to know that as a parent, we should be living the life of a parent biblically. You know, a biblical parent will follow the wisdom of not sparing the rod, right? Spare the rod and spoil the child, it says in Proverbs 13, 24. But also when we take the Bible in the New Testament, it says, Ephesians 6, 4, fathers do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up into training and instruction of the Lord. Uh, But there will be times when a child's fault will be forgiven without punishment to teach the meaning of mercy and to teach that child the love of Christ. But sometimes that child needs to have the board of education applied to the seat of learning. When I think about biblical parenting, I hold these two truths in tension. I think about a biblical judge. A biblical judge will usually be scrupulous and be impartial in sentencing criminals, realizing the grievousness of the crime. Romans 13, 4 says, For he is God's servant, referring to the judge, to do good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword for nothing. Yeah, there'll be times when, when he will dispense clemency 
for a greater good. I remember one time my my son was 17 years old, and he got himself into a little bit of a legal uh, situation. And the evidence was clear. He was guilty. We went before the judge, and we spoke our case before the judge. The judge responded very merciful. Uh, you know, my son could have done some time in jail, uh, but the judge was very merciful and basically gave my son a stern lecture and said, now, you're 17. If this had happened to you 18, I wouldn't have the liberty to show you mercy. But because you're 17 years old, I'm going to exhibit and going to use my judgment to give you mercy. I'm not going to hold this offense against you. I'm going to look at this particular situation and say, this was just a poor choice by a young teenager. I want you to know, said the judge, that if I see you in my court again with this offense, I will not be so merciful. This is your day of mercy. My son learned from that lesson. That's a good balance as a biblical judge. I think about a biblical employer, for example. Uh, you know, we usually want to pay a fair wage and, and insist on good workmanship. Uh, we're told in 2 Thess- Thessalonians chapter 3, verse number 10, for even when we were with you, we gave you this rule, if a man will not work, he shall not eat. But there will be times when he will pay more than a person deserves and go that extra mile. When a person is sick or aging or distressed or a person doesn't have the proper training. The other day, my wife and I were having a meal at a restaurant, and the restaurant was very slow in getting us our food. And, and then the order came, and, and the order wasn't right. And I, I, I was getting a little frustrated because I had someplace I had to go. And, uh, and I, I said to the waitress, I says, I don't mean to be rude, but I, I said, we really need to get our food because we're going to be late for another appointment. And she apologized, and, and she was just so upset about the whole thing. And, and she says, I'm so sorry that you have waited so long. And and she offered to give us a free meal. And I says, well, well you know, I, I want to go ahead and pay for the meal. And I says, furthermore, I, I want to be a blessing to you. And I want you to know that that young lady got a, a large tip from me. And not because she deserved it, not because she did such a wonderful job, but I realized that more than being reprimanded for not giving good service, she needed to be blessed. She was overwhelmed. She was stressed. They were understaffed. And I said, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to receive a free meal. I'm going to pay for my meal, and I'm going to bless this waitress. You know, that's how God deals with us sometimes. Sometimes he's very gracious to us. Sometimes he lets that, that hammer fall, but oftentimes he's very gracious to us. And I think about a biblical church leader. You know, when we think about sin, sin wreaks havoc within the church. I hate that we have to deal with sin in the church. Uh, Sometimes we have to call a member uh, into account, and we have to exercise discipline, and sometimes we even have to exclude somebody from fellowship. You know, a church must deal with sin. In fact, we are told in 1 Corinthians 5.5 that we're to take this person who doesn't repent of their sins and hand them over to Satan so that that sinful nature may be destroyed and his spirit will be saved on the day of the Lord. But I will also remember the parable of the wheat and the tares. And the teacher reminds us to be patient with the imperfections within the church until the end of the age. Now, Jesus said this in Matthew 13. He says, well, no, no, when, the, when you pull up those weeds and talking about tares being sown with the good seed, he said, no, no, he said, don't pull up the tares because when you pull up those tares, when you pull up those weeds, you may root up the wheat with them. He said, let them both grow together 
into the harvest. And I, and I take that as sometimes we've got to be merciful and sometimes we have to overlook certain things because we don't want to destroy the wheat. You know, when I think about merciful instead of being miserable, you know, I'm being merciful instead of miserable when I, when I forgive those who have failed me. Colossians 3.13 says, Be gentle, be ready to forgive, and never hold a grudge. Remember that the Lord forgave you, and you must forgive others. So forgiveness is a way that I can be merciful, and I can overcome misery. As a matter of fact, James says this, Mercy triumphs over justice. Now, you see, some men try to be tall by cutting others down. But I've discovered you never are any taller by cutting anybody else down. We are to forgive those who have failed us. Now, there's another way to let mercy, instead of misery, rule my life, is that I'm to help those who are in genuine need. In James chapter 2, it says, you know, suppose that a, a brother or sister is without clothes and doesn't have daily food, and if you say to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed but does nothing about his physical needs. Well, what good is that? He says in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by actions, is dead. You know, this verse doesn't say somebody else should help them. It says, if a need comes to my attention, I should provide. You know, there's a third way I think that we can allow mercy to triumph. Not only do we forgive those who have failed me, but I help those who are in genuine need. And then number three, I need to be patient with difficult people. Listen, difficult people are going to come in your lives. Uh, they're always going to be in your life. We are told in 1 Thessalonians 5.14 to encourage the timid, to help the weak, to be patient with everyone. And then Paul reminds us in Romans that we're to accept each other as Christ has accepted you. You have discovered something that it's much easier to criticize than it is to sympathize. You know, we're told to do all things without grumbling. We must be patient with difficult people. And I think that God brings difficult people into our lives so we can kind of sand off the rough edges in our lives. One of the things that I have enjoyed about having a, a special needs son is that I've enjoyed the fact that God has used my special needs son, oh, sometimes to embarrass me, but most often to sand off these rough edges in my life. I've learned that I, I don't sweat certain things that I used to really sweat. Things that used to bother me no longer bother me. You know, I used to like to have my car pristine. I'd have it waxed. I'd have it cleaned, armor all inside. I, I didn't want to have a spot on my car. What does the Lord do? He gives me a son with autism that is like pig pen, right? Uh, wherever he goes, there's a trail of mess wherever he goes. Uh, if you look at my car today, uh, you would see fingerprints. Uh, you would see uh, a Chick-fil-A, French fries in the, in the car. Uh, you'd see sticky spots on the seats. And uh, I, I try to clean it, and, and I decide, okay, once a week I'll clean it. Uh, but I would have to clean it minute by minute, moment by moment, and I would never be able to do anything else except clean my car. God has taught me to be patient. There's far worse things to worry about in life than fingerprints on my windshields or on my windows. Now, there's a fourth way that I think that we can experience 
mercy instead of misery. We forgive those who have failed us. We help those who are in genuine need or to be patient with difficult people. And then number four, now this is a tough one. Be kind to my enemies. Oh yeah, you're going to have a few enemies in your life. You can't get around that. Luke chapter six says this. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? Jesus says, you know, even sinners do that. You rub my back, I rub yours, right? Jesus says, even sinners do that. But he says, instead, love your enemies, do good to them. Then your reward will be great, and you will be the sons of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked. So I'm to treat my enemies like Jesus treated his enemies. I'm to be kind to my enemies. Now, there's another way that I can see mercy flowing through my life instead of misery. Uh, The fifth way is that I sincerely care for the lost. John 3.16 is a verse we all know, right? For God so loved the world that he gave. Sincerely caring for the lost. You know, oftentimes those who are in the most need of mercy are the ones who are most resistant to mercy. Have you ever noticed that? You know, it's very difficult for us to acknowledge we need mercy because it's very difficult for us to see how wrong our wrongness is. It's a huge swallowing of our pride to accept mercy because it requires acknowledging our need. I want you to know that I'm a person that needs mercy as often as I can possibly get it. There's also those who are lost that we should care about. They need our mercy as well. Well, why in the world should I choose mercy? Well, let me just give you a few reasons why we should choose mercy. I think the first reason, and probably the most compelling reason, is because God himself is merciful. The psalmist says the Lord is kind, and he does what is right. Our God is merciful. And we're told in Luke chapter 6 that we're to be merciful just as your Father is merciful. I choose mercy not because I am by nature a merciful person. As a matter of fact, every time I take those spiritual gifts inventory, you know, you have that that test that you take that shows where your spiritual gifts are. I always get a very low score on mercy. I am not by nature a merciful person. Now, I'm much more of an exhorter, right? So I have to work on being merciful, but I know that God is merciful to me. Now, this is the second reason why I should choose mercy. God is merciful. And the second reason is because I need mercy daily. James says, no mercy will be shown to the one who has shown no mercy to others. Wow, that's some powerful stuff there, James. You mean that I'm not going to receive God's mercy if I'm not merciful to others? Yeah, Jesus said the same thing about forgiveness. If you do not forgive, You will not receive forgiveness, says Jesus in the model prayer. You see, mercy is a two-way street. When you refuse to show mercy to others, you're burning the very bridge upon which you have to walk across to receive God's mercy yourself. I need mercy daily. God is merciful to me. And number three, I should be merciful because mercy actually makes me happy. Proverbs eleven seventeen says, Your own soul is nourished when you are kind. 
It is destroyed when you are cruel. In the New Testament, Paul says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. You see, God's amazing grace is available to us anytime and at all times for every problem that we ever face. It sets us free to be everything that God intended us to be. Uh, John Newton, that reformed English slave trader who wrote that hymn, Amazing Grace, said, By the grace of God, I am what I am. I am not what I ought to be. How perfect and deficient I am. I am not what I wish to be. Though I am not what I ought to be, I can truly say that I am not what I once was, a slave to sin and Satan. I can heartily say with the Apostle Paul, by the grace of God, I am what I am. You know, until the day that he died, Newton never stopped marveling at God's grace. In a message he gave not long before the passing from this life, he is quoted as proclaiming loudly, and he says these words, My memory is nearly gone, but I remember two things, that I am a great sinner and Christ is a great Savior. Oh, I want you to know, you can have everything in your life that you want if you just help another person by showing that mercy. Listen, God uses us to be a blessing to others, and we end up getting the bigger blessing ourselves. I want you to know that even when you're at work, God can use you in a very special way. I want you to know that God has strategically placed you in the workplace that you are right now so that you can be a blessing to others. You know, it helps you to bless others and then you receive that blessing back yourself. As you look at your life, life is very brief. It amazes me how quickly life goes by. You know, you only have one life to be a blessing to somebody else. What do you want to be known for when you're finished up on this life? Do you want to be known as a person that was merciful? Or do you want to be known as a person that was miserable? You know, as a pastor, I, I had the difficult task of doing funerals. I don't know how many funerals I've done in my life. I probably have done well over 300. I stopped counting when I, I hit the 200 mark. Uh, my, I probably, uh, and I think about funerals, I probably have uh, so many that I can't even remember that I've done, but I do remember a funeral that I did many years ago. And the man was actually a distant family member. And the family wasn't going to do a funeral at all because this man was not well-respected and this man was really not a blessing to a whole lot of people. But I said to the family, I said, wouldn't it be nice to just gather around and and at least uh, as a family come to the point where we can come to closure as we say so long to this family member. With great reluctance, they said, okay, we'll do it. You know, that was the funeral service that I had never seen anything like it before. It was the smallest number of people that I've ever witnessed coming to a funeral. Six people showed up for that funeral. Now, the sad part was, is, is I was one of the six, and my, my wife was the other one uh, of that six that showed up at this funeral. As I gave the message, I, I could feel the tension in the service as we gathered together. We didn't, we didn't have songs, and 
We didn't have a reading of the obituary because there was no obituary. Uh, There was no great honoring this man. Just a few words that I shared of blessing and encouragement to the family. At the end, uh, nobody said anything positive about this man. They said this man lived in misery. He died in misery. I want you to know, your life is very short. It's too short to live a life filled with misery. Would you accept the free gift of salvation today so that your life can be driven by mercy, not misery? That man that I spoke of, I don't know where he was spiritually. I don't know where he spent eternity. But I know that you can spend eternity with Christ if you put your faith and trust in him. The Bible is very clear that we're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. None of us by nature are merciful people. But God is merciful to us. And he showed his love toward us. He demonstrated his love for us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. He died so that we don't have to die. His death sets us and gives us everlasting life. Will you call upon the name of the Lord today? Just invite him to be your Lord and your Savior. Invite him to come into your heart. And as a result of that, you'll be a new creation in Christ. If you made that decision to follow Christ, would you give me a call? 757-421-7500. Or give me a call at 252-267-2365. I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to speak with you. I'd love to give you some things that will help you as you begin this journey with Christ. Thank you so much for listening to broadcast. Have a wonderful weekend. I hope to see you in church on Sunday. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3220 South Battlefield Boulevard, Chesapeake, Virginia. We meet at 9 o'clock or 1030. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, you go to our website at www.hrcc7.org. No matter what you're going through, remember, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.